welcome to our very sleepy emergency session of the post-election Mary Trump show. Hey, Jen. Hi, Mary. I've been actually awake since um, 7.30, meaning I slept in. Yeah, I've been up to, I, I got three hours, no, two hours of sleep. Hmm. I could not fall asleep last night. I wonder why. What was going on in the world? I, you know, I think I was bored. <laughs> <laughs> I was not bored. Um, I have a, I have this weird feeling that uh, we're never going to be bored again. I honestly have never had a time in my life when I was bored. I remember there was this one time I was at, like, at a corporate meeting at one of my jobs in the legal department. And this was before, you know, you could bring in like a laptop or an iPhone because we didn't really have iPhones. And anyway, so the way I stayed not bored is I had a legal pad and I wrote out song lyrics that I'd memorized. Okay. So, that's absolutely is fascinating. This, yeah, well, I've, got one, I've got one more thing. I counted the ceiling kind of tiles. Off, okay. It's not relevant. Topic. It's not relevant at all. Um, oh, I actually, shoot, sorry, I, Mary. I, no, that's okay. Um, I did talk about not being bored. So that was mm. a, a reasonable uh, leap. But uh, I mean, more like, you know, I don't, I, I never get bored either. The difference is like, this is something we don't have much control over. Like when we're, where we can't let down our guard ever <laughs> because of events, <laughs> you know, that's um, like even, even counting ceiling tiles, it can't, can't get you, um, can't distract you. But Mary, right? I am genetically predisposed through many years of genocide for my, you know, I'm Jewish going back thousands of years. So, you know, we never let down our guard. We're always anxious people. And so for me, I have to say, when there's something to focus on, I'm better off. Like if there weren't something in the pol political world or in my career or friends that I couldn't obsess about, I'd be obsessing about irrelevant things like dust motes and, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I completely understand, uh, the notion of, you know, set, such a, uh, an abundance of historical trauma, um, leading one to be ever vigilant, but I don't know. I, I don't think I ever imagined that, that I'd get to the point in my life as an American where, friends of mine would be having serious discussions about uh, finding another country to flee to and I mean, you make getting dual, dual citizenship and stuff. But before we go down that road, let's, uh, let's kind of, I mean, I assume that people watching kind of know what happened, but let's, let's hash through some of the results because some things have changed since we saw each other like an hour ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> And and then you know I want to pivot to what what this holds for us, but let's let's just put this in the the context of the fact that uh, going into last night we did not know for sure if uh, we were going to live to fight another day. I mean, obviously we we were going to fight, but the the terms of the fight we were going to be in look to be potentially horrifying. And um, there was not only not a red wa a wave, and remember, some people were calling for a red tsunami or calling a red tsunami. There wasn't even, we don't even know if there was a red anything. 
And uh, for for everybody who's who's had the great misfortune of being subjected to uh, what the mainstream media have have had to say about this election in, in the run up to it and how, how they framed this issue. Um, even if the Republicans win and it's a small margin, that's a disaster for them. Now, I understand that that doesn't, it still doesn't feel good because, you know, in the House, they only need one more seat than we have to wreak all kinds of havoc. And, uh, you know, who knows what Mitch McConnell could do with a 51-49 Senate. Um, but that having been said, there is a lot uh, a lot of um, hope to be gained and lessons to be learned and red flags to keep an eye out for, of course. But by the fact that uh, in, a, in an election year, that was treated like a normal midterm, which was one of the biggest mistakes the mainstream media made. But in an election year that uh, Republicans were, according to conventional wisdom and recent history, supposed to just trounce us, they didn't even lay a, they barely laid a glove on us, Jen. Oh, I mean, so true. And there's a lot packed in th to that. So I'm going to pull out one of the key things, which is what did the mainstream media think? And even last night, I, you know, I would have been, I'm, in, I'm embarrassed for people I know and respect who are at the New York Times as reporters who, um, or in the editorial staff who make decisions about headlines because I don't know if you saw and I, and I retweeted it, but there was the front page of the Times. I don't know if it's still the edition they have out now. Like the big headline oh, is how man. Republicans made big strides or made, you know, and I just early big, big early gains or something. And I retweeted that with that fa a picture of um, Truman laughing and holding up the, the newspaper that says, <laughs> you know, Dewey defeats Truman. And I said, you know, hey, friends of the New York Times, you need some real introspection here. This has real Dewey defeats Truman yeah. energy. I mean, come on, guys. Don't be a joke. You're the paper of record. I'm never canceling my subscription. Don't worry. But get your shit together. Don't be a joke. You know, you do not want to be the Elon Musk of newspapers. But as you long as Dean Becquet yeah. is, is at the helm. Is he still? I I believe so. Okay, and well, he's been terrible since the beginning. And it's only getting worse. Uh, so... It is it a was, serious problem. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, real introspection, you know, they really need to do that. So that's one piece of things. And, and in terms of laying a glove, glove on us, you know, look, um, to me, there's what this says about democracy, what it says about the Democratic Party, but the elephant in the room is a certain uncle of yours who the candidates, and not just him, but what he espouses, election denial, insurrection apologies, you know, all those candidates who were all in for the big lie, all in for Donald, other than one, which was J.D. Vance, they all lost or are losing. And yeah, you know, I think you can look at DeSantis, you know, there's no love lost between the two of them. So that's mm -hmm. not a candidate he wanted to shine. And so I'm glad that he was trounced. Uh, I mean, I was looking at your um, cousin Donnie's 
Twitter feed. And last time I looked, the last thing he said is, you know, wait for the bloodbath. And then there, I don't think he's tweeted since then. And that might have been. <laughs> Lauren Boebert, that was her last tweet 10 hours ago as well. Oh my God. The biggest, I mean, I know I'm a bad person, but I'm willing to be bad. I mean, I know that I'm generous. Let me say it differently. I don't think, I don't think I do a lot of bad things. I care about people, but I do have a kind of mean streak. And every time I look at the image, the before and after image of Lauren Boebert's um, campaign, party of her cheering and everyone cheering and then them just like hang dog expressions when they realize that she's gonna lose i get so much glee and joy that i can't stop looking at it so i i know you're not my therapist mary but at some point can we talk about why it's okay to be gleeful about that wretched wretched person because maybe she's, she's a hideous anti-american viciously cruel unqualified Un, I mean, deeply unqualified, horrible okay. person. Great. Uh, and and in so sometimes schadenfreude is warranted. I don't think that race has been called yet. But I know. But so I, I, let me have my joy. Yeah. Listen, I, I mean, just <laughs> she she's had she's having a terrible, terrible few hours at the very least. Um, right. But let's let's just uh, set the stage here. Um, we are looking at Arizona. Pretty much everything's. <laughs> Still up in the air. I think sixty-eight percent of the votes have come in, mm -hmm. and and in the big races, everything is still too close to be comfortable. Um, but at least in every race I've looked at, the Democrats are ahead. Um, I are you think speaking strictly about Arizona. Right I'm now? speaking strictly about Arizona okay. right now because they're all the kind of around the same. Uh, Kelly's ahead. Um, Carrie Lake's opponent, whose name I can't remember, which is a bad sign it's a sign that that she just wasn't out there enough honestly she tried not to have any debates with the, well with that the was crazy. another, another was, mistake but didn't but, didn't she um i'm forgetting what her name is but she was like the secretary of state um and why katie I, hobbs and katie we should hobbs, know yeah. her name but again we uh, the fact that we don't and everybody knows who carrie lake is is problematic but right. katie hobbs is is ahead right um not not very comfortably, but she's ahead with uh, 34% of the vote uh, still to come. Um, I think that um, I'm feeling really good about one of the most important uh, races, the Secretary of State race, uh, which had the Democrat Fontes against um, the, the execrable Fincham, who is an election denier mm. and a fascist. Uh, Fontes is up four, and uh, like I said, Kelly is up. Actually, Kelly is up pretty comfortably. He's up uh, by almost yeah, by five, so mm. that's that's good. Mm. Um, and then I I saw that uh, in Wisconsin the race was called for Ron Johnson, but I've Ugh. seen in other places it wasn't yet. Mm. It's very very close. Um, and down the road, though, I, I that's I think that's an important race because I think with a a better candidate, and I don't mean a better person or politician. I mean a better Democratic candidate for Wisconsin, mm. like uh, Sarah. God, I can God never Luce pronounce. Skate. Thank you. I can never pronounce her name. Um, By the way, I told my awesome. friend on her campaign that they needed that they needed to actually have people repeatedly saying 
in in ads how to pronounce her name because for months I would look at the name and it would it was it was distracting to me and it's bad that I couldn't pronounce it but you have to have name recognition it helps you do and and I I think she was a better Democratic candidate for Wisconsin yes I think Uh, you know I don't I don't think an endorsement by Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren is going to get you much cachet in Wisconsin quite honestly so the fact that we even got that close um, is is pretty good news for the future bad news for right now um of course but uh Mm -hmm. then we have outstanding still nevada um Mm -hmm. and last i checked um the democrat there whose name i also always forget i don't know why um cortez masto i think i'm tired i think that might be is it cortez masto it's cortez masto uh again hi charlotte Hello. You are Hi. glowing. What is your secret? Oh Did you get sleep? I mean, it's or is it like? Do you <laughs> have a filter? I slept in. I slept in till about ten. That's I so. want your filter. That's not. It's <laughs> okay. not a filter. Thank That's you. the problem. I know. Well, you know. Come you on, know, man. My skin here, is looking so so. Okay. Anyway. I'll so stop. hang on. We're just. I'm just like <laughs> catching everybody up. Um, Cortez Masto is still hanging in there, but I. Uh, you know, votes are still coming in, and as usual, we don't know where they're coming from, so it's kind of hard to make any any assessments about that. And then, uh, of course, there's Georgia, uh, which is very close. Um, but again, thankfully, Senator Warnock is still holding on to his lead, and that's been pretty steady, um, unless they just haven't been counting votes for a while. Can I just drop a footnote real quick, though, Mary? Please do. Um, when Mary said, I, I, I believe this is correct, when she was mentioning Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, she's not um, trying to um, d- diminish their, you know, their message or their authority. She's just saying for that jurisdiction, for Wisconsin, what is the value of that? You know, I'm a huge Elizabeth Warren fan. I think that Bernie has done so much um, for for the Democratic Party. We wouldn't even be talking about some of the things we're talking about, but that doesn't mean an endorsement from those particular people in a certain race. I think would help. That's what I think. I don't know what yeah. you think, but I, I mean, just- my opinion. I'm not, I'm going to keep my opinion about uh, Bernie Sanders to myself because it's irrelevant right now. Um, I'm just. I'm <laughs> literally. <laughs> um, I am literally simply saying that there are some place, just like you know, I I have a a, a pack, and there are some places people don't want. They'll take the money from the pack, but they don't want me talking about them because it's not going to play well with the, the voters they need to appeal to. I completely understand that. That's I get just, you. Yeah, it's just strategic. And so, Charlotte, I was just saying that I think Sarah Godlewski m- may have been a better Democratic candidate for Wisconsin. Uh, n- nothing wrong with Mandela Barnes. Just I, you know, the endorsements he brought in. I, I'm not entirely sure, given how close that race is. And again, I think it has been called for uh, Ron Johnson. It has. He was a good man, smart man. He couldn't debate. He couldn't take him on the way, you know, Gretchen Whitmer or, you know, I saw those debates between him and Ron Johnson and Ron Johnson was a sitting duck. I mean, I could have I could have roasted him, you know, I'm not. But you need someone who can do that with against a really entrenched incumbent. And, and that was the other thing about, you know, Sarah Godlewski had, had won a statewide race before, uh, which, right. you know, is always a good a good experience to have going in. But that aside, um, 
I just want to check in with both of you, see how you're feeling uh, since we've, you know, we've learned a little bit more since last we just saw each other very, very early this morning. Uh, so Charlotte, let's, I want to start with you because I know you, you've been on a journey the last few months vis-a-vis -vis this election. Oh God, it's been, it's been a lot. It's been a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, advising, you know, different campaigns, fundraising money almost every single day, trying to get people to vote. Uh, I mean, I know we've all been doing that and it's just been a very long year. And I think last night Six went years. about as well as we could have hoped, mm -hmm. really. Mm -hmm. I mean, it went, it went, yeah, you know, you're right. It has been six long years. I mean, the fact that we're here this morning and there is a slim chance, not, not a huge chance, but there is a slim chance we could still hold the house. I don't think we're going to hold the house, by the way. I don't. I don't think we're going to hold the house, but there is literally a slim chance that we could technically hold the house. I mean, that's incredible. It is incredible. incredible. I, I want to... Um... One of the things I want to do today is is sort of uh, position us going forward. I mean, us, the Nerd Avengers, but also us, the Democrats. And um, Danielle's here, but apparently she's in invisible mode. <laughs> so hopefully somebody will let her in, let her in. Um, but I, I want to, uh, because I have to be honest with you, and and this is this is this is I think. Um, the result of my abject disappointment at how this election was framed in the context of how the Biden administration has been framed and the Trump administration has been normalized and how much was, Hey, Danielle, happy post-election morning or afternoon, whatever the case may be. Um, and, you know, uh, in my view, it should it it shouldn't have even been close, uh, in, and it should have been a democratic blowout because not just not just because of the awful candidates that the Republicans had, but because of all those things I just uh, said. I mean, the, you know, we we literally had um, reproductive rights on the ballot, uh, the future of American democracy on the ballot. Versus like second class citizenship for half the population and fascism, you know, <laughs> so it didn't, it didn't seem like it was, it should be that hard to sell. And, you know, I, I am, I'm not devastated uh, in a way that I could have been for sure, but, you know, winning the house by one seat is still having control of the house. And, uh, and for some, like, I am irrationally angry that J.D. Vance won. So I, I have, I don't know if it's going to work, but I have a plan that, that somebody like pay him a lot of money to disappear. And then we, we sneak in Joyce Vance who has the same initials and maybe we can have like a Senator Joyce Vance and, and just nobody will, will just won't tell anybody. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm irrationally angry about that. Uh, you know, the fact that that despicable, person is is now a senator and like, don't get me wrong they're all despicable but there's something like just so slimy about him um but does the fact and and of course some hinges on what happens in the senate but if it's a 51 49 senate what's what can mcconnell do and does it matter going forward that uh the margin in the house even if it's in republican control is still going to be tiny I don't know. Uh, Danielle, why don't you jump in since uh, we didn't get to see you last night? 
Yeah. Hi, friends. Um, wonderful to see everybody. Um, and, you know, first, I just want to say, um, I'm in a good mood. Mm -hmm. I know that it is, it is, it is not, uh, there was not a blue tsunami, a blue wave, a blue, um, all of these things. But I think that folks just like, just to set the stage, need to take things into real deep context of what we were up against. First, we're up against history, which is that the party that is in power normally loses midterms. That just has been the historical pattern, you know, for as long as we all can remember. That didn't happen last night. We had the pollsters once again be wrong about their red tidal wave. And I'm continually going to say this every time that I go on TV, every time that I come on anybody's airwaves, is that stop believing in the polls. Believe in yep. what people do, not what they say that they're going to do. So that's number two. And, um, you know, and so I think that what, what we should be proud of is the fact that we are waking up to fight another day. Right. Mm -hmm. at, at, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we were all in a in a catastrophic downward spiral. Like, where are we moving? Because fascism looks like it is absolutely going to come to the United States. What people from Kentucky to Kansas, you know, and other states, they said no. Right. You have more young people, more Generation Z vote. Right. Than ever yep. before. You had high, the highest historic numbers of midterm people of elect the electorate voting than ever before. You've had historic wins. The first lesbian governor, the first black governor in in Maryland. Right. The first Gen Z uh, House of Repre uh, Representatives. Mm -hmm. You have these wins. And so I want us not to be despondent and think to ourselves like, oh, because, you know, of course, we believe that if you have slavery, which, by the way, was on the ballot in Tennessee, and big win there, it's going to be uh, oh, wait, you know, outlawed. But if Louisiana decided to hang on to uh, slavery yeah, for a because, few more you know, decades. Back pocket. Um, you never you know. Never, you never know. You never know, right? It's so, right to work is what they call it, not slavery. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's call it what it is, shall we? But I think that, you know, what I want is that Democrats, we're always, you know, so quick to kick ourselves while we're up. <laughs> I would like us for the first time, like Republicans are gonna do that for us. Can we mm -hmm. celebrate the fact that their governors that they were running were all trash, mm -hmm. right? Can we celebrate the fact that they had a bunch of election deniers that were on the slate that were that used, uh, you know, decertifying Biden's win from 2020 as one mm -hmm. of their key, uh, one of their key talking points and they were swept. So, you know, while I, I, I agree that we have a lot of work to do, the fact is, is that we're still standing to do that work. And I thought that, you know, in many ways that we were going to be shellacked, just not from the polls, but by people's mood and sentiment. And yeah. I think that we have a lot to be proud of today. We do. Absolutely. And I, I don't at all mean to bring anybody here. here. I love I, that. I think what I'm, um, one, I think I'm very tired. So there's that. I mean, yeah. and, and I think I was I think I was more optimistic than most people going into this. And um, but not at all hypersensitive, because it's not like when anybody said, oh, we're going to lose the House and the Senate. I didn't murder them. <laughs> uh, no, I was very on edge, but I was optimistic. Um, so 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 maybe, you know, I got taken down a peg. But uh compared to where we could have been you're absolutely right and yet, look we would have we would have been in the fight anyway but we would have been in the fight with both hands tied behind our back our feet right. tied together and buried yeah. like 10 feet under cement <laughs> so this is this is 
phenomenal. I mean, think about what happened in Michigan. We we turned over the the state house there. I mean, which is phenomenal. We got the, the AG, the Secretary of State, uh, the uh, governorship. Uh, I, I mean, in was can I? It, I'm from Michigan. Remind you, they tried to kidnap that woman. Yes. Right? Wait, wait. Like, can we can we remember that they tried to kidnap her? Guys, right. guys, since 1983. In 1983, mm -hmm. I was in 10th grade. People, oh. I am 55 now. That's how long it's been since Michigan had a Democratic legislature. Yep. That's, and I'm that's like my whole fucking and, life. And you know what? One one good thing about this election. Jen, is that it It made people start paying attention to things like state house Democrats, because Republicans always do, state houses, attorney general races, secretaries of state. We, we understand now how vitally important those offices say, are for protecting yeah. uh, democracy at the state level. And we cannot unlearn that lesson. And, 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 and since you mentioned those three offices, it's not lost on me that you're thinking about the three women who lead those offices in Michigan and they fucking leaned into it instead of the whole yep. like, well, we can't have, you know, two women, you know, running for president and vice president. Why not? I mean, understudy, like they just, they didn't, they don't care. They happen to be women, but then they lean into it. They're opposed to like a Charlie's angel pose going to the poll yesterday. <laughs> I mean, they're going to ham it. I mean, they're going to ham it up. They're going to own what it. What was funniest about that though, is a data Nessel, uh, who I, <laughs> she ag or secretary said I, I should know that but AG. i don't remember thank AG. you ag she's like why am i the only one who did this right <laughs> <laughs> i mean to me i guess and again you know i'm all i say it too much but i grew up in michigan and i you know you never um home is home if you're from a regional place like you know to me like i'm a you know i'm here on the east coast visiting you know despite that i've lived here almost my whole life but to watch these people with the accents that i recognize <laughs> and the like you know kind of ass kicking straightforward i mean yeah she didn't back down when they tried to kidnap her mm -hmm. um you know mm -hmm. she, i'm just so ha i'm so happy um but i will say to you having been home to michigan this summer and seeing and talking to some republican relatives they were disgusted they were as disgusted with donald trump as they used to be disgusted with hillary and i'm not disgusted with hillary i'm just pointing out that mm -hmm. people didn't get like when i was you know, dealing with people in 2016, there was a real weird hate in, in the Midwest for her that goes back ages and ages of hating Bill, hating Hillary. Yeah. And the feeling they have with Trump and also, you know, I think I mentioned to you, like my father, who is a Republican, was shocked and disgusted about the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs because he's a former doctor. And I think yeah. they just had enough. And so I was looking at my parents, you know, just one very small sample size, but picking up this idea that the whole Republican Party there, the old guard, doesn't like these crazy election denier insurrectionists. And I think either they didn't turn out to vote or they decided to, you know, plug their nose and vote for Democrats, you know, but I felt that happening. So I'm just thrilled that it played out. Yeah. And Charlotte, um, one of the other things i i think we need we need to hang on to all of that we need to make sure that all of the things that worked for us this time can we continue to hammer away at them and make them keep them relevant and even make them even more relevant i'm talking specifically about dobbs the supreme court um uh college uh loans uh etc cetera, etc cetera. so many things and of course the terrible 
terrible things that the Republican Party has done. And we're seeing a lot of a lot of the narrative today is about how the big loser here. And of course, he is a big fucking loser. But the big loser of this election is Donald. Um, And okay, fine. And I'm always happy to have him feel humiliated. It's that's a that's a good day when that happens. (laughs) However, this cannot be about him. The entire Republican, we talked about this last night, the entire Republican Party needs to be repudiated over and over and over again. And and the reason we're here is because that did not happen in 2020, even though Donald lost. That's right. I mean, you know, and I think President Biden deserves an enormous amount of credit mm-hmm. for this cycle. I, this is the this is the best performance that a first term Democrat has had in fifty years. Charlie, can I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Um, if if anybody pundit or otherwise ever says to me uh, or ever asks me, should Joe Biden run in twenty twenty four? Can I punch them? Is that or should I not? I think you should. Yeah. I mean, no, 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 no political violence. No, I know you're joking. Oh, that's true. That's true. We're joking. We're very much Theoretically. (laughs) Theoretically. uh, Rhetorically punch them in the nose. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, I I, I think President Biden needs to run again. I think that he will win re-election. I really do. I, I know that a lot of folks are very bullish on that. They're very skeptical. But let me say something. Every time someone has doubted President Biden, he has confounded expectations yeah. and, and even exceeded them. Mm-hmm. We should not have done that well last night. Oh. Everything, I mean, if even if Democrats had had a good year, uh, as, as Danielle <laughs> exactly. mentioned earlier, first-term presidents always do poorly in the midterms. They just do. Their, their party always does poorly. Uh, the only exception in recent memory was Bush in 2002. He, he got a, you know, he picked up a couple seats in the House, a couple seats in the Senate, because that was in the aftermath of 9-11. Exactly. But otherwise, presidents do terribly in their in the midterms during their first term. And here you come, here you have President Biden, who has been roundly criticized uh, by a lot of folks across the political spectrum for what they deem to be poor messaging, even though I thought it was pretty great messaging, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, what they deem to be poor leadership. And yet he achieved something that no Democrat has achieved since Kennedy. I mean, that's incredible. It really is. He deserves way more credit than he's getting this morning. And you know what else? Um, we were running against, uh, you know, again, I don't care about polls anymore, but poll- pe- other people pay attention to them. Polls that his popularity is underwater, or whatever. Clearly that didn't play a factor. But, um, it, you know, even if it did, um, we had enough positives to overcome it. And the other thing, Inflation, high gas prices were consistently cited as the two most important uh, issues going into this election. And we still overcame that, uh, despite the fact that the mainstream media refused to educate people about what those things mean. Refused. <laughs> Just refused. Um, and in fact, made it made things worse, um, you know, especially adding on the narrative of the, the red tsunami uh, that that there was even no evidence of it, quite frankly. Um, but let's. I want I want to talk a little bit about where where do we go from here or how do we go from here maybe I, as we said last night the the results of this election were irrelevant in in terms of the fight right the fight is the same whether we we got 
uh, huge majorities in either house or lost a lot in either house, both houses, because what's at stake is still the same. The only thing that was going to be different was our state of mind, right? <laughs> our levels of despair and exhaustion. So um, luckily, we should be feeling energized and more hopeful and, and more optimistic. So Danielle, what do you what do you think are the, the most important components uh, that we need to bring to this fight? Like how do we how do we define it? Um, you know, how do we stop making the same mistake as Democrats, not us as individuals, but the Democratic Party, you know, uh, which is always, oh, good, okay, it wasn't as bad as we thought. We can just relax and chill and, you know, we'll gear up like two months before the election. <laughs> it's a terrible idea. So so any any thoughts about um, how, how this fight, what this fight should look like as we head in to the 2024 uh, presidential election, which, by the way, I think we're in right now. Yeah, it was funny. Somebody tweeted and they were just like, good morning and welcome to the 2024 <laughs> election cycle. And I was just like, can I have coffee? Um, so <laughs> I was just like, can you stop? Um, but I, I think that a, a couple of things, you know, Doug Jones, uh, former Senator Doug Jones from Alabama was on um, on one of the cable news shows recently. And he said, you know, the problem that Democrats have and I'd like to see change is Democrats rallying around candidates instead of around their values and their mission, right? We continually are like, look, we have this candidate over here. Look, we have this candidate over here. What the far right has done, and we know and we, we're, we're watching um, the, the slow implosion of it happening, is that they rallied around, you know, Donald Trump. Donald Trump was their guy and everyone became a mini version of him. Um, holding up their values of white supremacy and patriarchy and, you know, and anti-abortion and anti-freedom. And I think that what Democrats need to do is instead of us rallying behind particular people with particular personalities, is that we need to rally around freedom. I wrote a piece about this in the Daily Beast. And I said, look, I said, I want to stop having a seeding ground to the right with regard to patriotism and regard to freedom. We are the ones that are the patriots in this country. We are the ones that are holding up and fighting for justice and equity and at the end of the day, liberty and freedom, right? Mm -hmm. And so let us reclaim that banner, right? So whether it is the freedom to love, the freedom to choose, you know, the freedom to be, the freedom to exist, like whether it is what it is, is freedom, period, full stop at the Danielle! end of the Danielle! Last yes. night I was screaming, freedom is our message. Oh! Yes! Talk. Same brain! Yes! yes! Same brain. This is us melding. But that's I think we, we've all spent enough time together. I think we all have the same brain. <laughs> we all have the same brain. It's one giant brain. But I'm like, this is the melding that I want us to have. This is the, the mind meld. It's like that Spot's I want the brain. Yeah, the democratic establishment to have. Which is that yeah. stop seeding these words and this these values and this lesson. Like when I I want to see us waving the American flag, talking about we saved we saved this country from the skin of our teeth from fascism, right? Because more Americans woke up over the last several months from the Dobbs decision in June until now, right? And said, oh shit, this thing that we thought could never be overturned, they came for it that they, this Supreme Court doesn't give a damn about precedent. 
So which means that now we have to fortify our rights in these states. And that's what they did by rejecting these election denying governors. Right. They were fortifying their freedom in the states and saying, if you don't have us nationally, we're going to hold on to ourselves. Right. In the states. And so I think that Democrats need to run with that message. All of their focus groups are like, they shouldn't talk about abortion. They shouldn't talk about this. What they should talk about is freedom and then list those things down. Right. The right. freedom to retire, the freedom to have health insurance that doesn't make you an indentured servant to your fucking job. Right. So that you have unless you're you in have, Louisiana, in which case they're all for it. Right. Sorry. Correct. So I just I want to see I think that we coalesce, we regroup and we coalesce not around people, but around our values and our values mm -hmm. need to be freedom, full stop. And that's how we go into 2024. Yeah, and that's what the Republicans do. I, I understand that, you know, they, they started with uh, sort of paying uh, fealty to uh, their their God, which is quite disgusting to think about but uh you know then it then it's well herschel walker who cares about his, what he's done in his life he's going to be a vote for us whatever that means to them right mm -hmm. and our version of that is is much more compelling and i think in in what you said was also this very simple idea that we need to define our terms because i think as we've learned I, Americans have ve gotten very far away from what democracy is, uh, a lot of them. I, I think a lot of Americans don't, couldn't quite put their finger on what it means to them anymore. And uh, same thing with fascism. And one of the, you know, fascism is an absolutely accurate word to use. But unless we can put it in day-to-day, -day, like how it affects your day-to-day -day life, it, it's harder to make that argument because... Republicans call us fascists and socialists and communists and Marxists and Leninists all the time. So it's just nonsense. So if you can find a, you know, freedom is like the perfect word because it does track with everything that we're trying to preserve here. Uh, so uh, that's the kind of energy. And that is like, that's how to unify the message because, you know, as we've talked about often, the Democrat is democratic party is a very huge diverse tent. Um, so it's harder to do that if, if you try to get too sophisticated about it, but if you just boil it down to what really, what is at stake here, folks? Exactly what I said, the word folks for the first time in my life. Really? That's how I'm I never word. say that word ever. Are you serious? And ever. Why do you think I you're think Obama? If you say no, that. because I'm, I'm, in, I'm from New York city. It's not a word. Oh, we use. What anyway. do you say? Like use guys? I'm from the South. We say no. it all the time. I, I don't know people probably anyway it's not important um so yeah that's that is that and and having um the spock mind meld brain on steroids is, is what what we need to do so uh jen you wanted to say something yeah so danielle you mentioned something and julie zebrick who works on a lot of campaigns mentioned it last night and it, it's this thing about focus groups and i and i didn't realize until yesterday how much power they have in terms of shaping a candidate's message. And that's a big problem mm -hmm. because, you know, here's how I think about it. If you're running an idea by a focus group, it's not the candidate themselves doing it. And if it's a new idea, if it's, it's, if it's pushing boundaries, an ordinary group of people who have time to do a focus group aren't going to, it's not going to 
click with them. That's not how you should do anything. Leadership isn't about listening to focus groups. Go out there and try it. And if it catches fire, continue it. I think these focus groups are, are just, it's just what you, what I read when I read the book called Shattered, um, a couple called Shattered, I think it's called, about Hillary Clinton. And, um, you know, you look too much at focus groups and you let ordinary people who, you know, you let people who are just crunching numbers tell you what to do. That doesn't make sense. And, you know, let me just, just imagine like the difference. It, and you're not in the person who leads the focus group question. How dynamic were they? There are too many variables that mm -hmm. cannot capture charisma, cannot capture something going, oh, that's unusual. I'm not sure. Like, for example, and I know this isn't it. It seems like a weird analogy. The first time I tried sushi, I was like, I don't know if I like this. And then the next time I'm like, hmm, I'm thinking about that sticky rice again. And then pretty soon you're hooked. And it's the same thing I, with an idea. Shut up, Mary. I know. I just, I'm <laughs> to... You're like, you're like looking yeah, at me. Like, I know what did you not cause... like sushi from the first time? Right, right, exactly. No, no, it's not that. It's just I don't understand the analogy, but that's okay. Ignore it's about me. taste. Very... It's about a new I was just looking. Thing. I'm just, I was looking confused because I'm tired. Ignore me. Okay. And you don't have to have fish and the sushi. You know, you could have things like shiitake maki. I know how really it works. Great. Okay. Anyway, that's my point. So try it out. Don't do some back room focus group with air conditioning and Venetian blinds. That is not <laughs> politics. And I get it. I'm so arrogant. I've never been in one of those, but I'm just imagining. No, with, no, you're uh, right. How I mean, else do you do them, right, Charlotte? You put them, you put a bunch of people in a room and uh, you focus them or whatever. And, and they have their utility. Like focus groups can be very helpful, but there's such an over-reliance on them and, and they're not even done. I mean, just for all the reasons Jim just said, there's so many factors that go into it to say nothing of the person leading it. Focus groups are like stilettos. They sound really sexy and interesting, but the more you use them, the more it hurts, right? You can't <laughs> do that. That was it, Charlotte. That, that I it. understood. I prefer you know? a chunky platform heel, to be honest, but. <laughs> I mean, but it's, you know, it's this thing where Democrats have to stop. There, there's a certain type of Democrat who says, please like me. And people don't like that. They don't like that. They like what people like is someone who says, I know the way out. Follow me. That's mm. what people want to hear. And I think not enough Democrats <laughs> have, have embraced that mentality. I know the way out and I'm going to fight through any obstacle we That's encounter. Right. Uh, that, you know, that and which is it's obstacles to what? Obstacles to all of your freedoms that they're trying to take away from you. Um, so we're going to, we're going to wrap up soon. Um, cause I checked and no, no, no new results, uh, with the exception of, at the beginning, the, I mean, not unexpected, but still depressing news about Ron Johnson because he's a, he's, he's a Russian agent and he should, does not deserve to be in the United States Senate or in the United States. Um, you know, I think it is, it is, it incre it's incredibly important. As, as we've been saying, that we seize this moment, we build on the energy and uh, start shaping the narrative immediately. And I mean, personally, I, I want the Nerd Avengers to be kind of a model for how we move through the next two to four to six to eight years. Um, and because we need to start looking at this 
as a long-term project in the way the Republicans do have done ever since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973. Um, you know, uh, the difference again is that we're trying to preserve and protect, not destroy and uh, steal. Um, so do you guys have any ideas about like, what's the best way to get a message out? Like, who are the kinds of people? Because I have to be honest with you. I, I have a great deal of respect for for a lot of Democratic uh, operatives and stuff like that. And, and the work they do, the hours they put in, the selflessness. But I think for a lot of people, it's it sort of become an echo. They've been existing in an echo chamber for too long. And uh, the messages become self-reinforcing and increasingly ineffective. So uh, how do we break out of that cycle? And, um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not at, at int well, with, there are some people I would ha be happy to have leave the stage. Um, but uh, generally speaking, I'm not talking about uh, getting rid of anybody. It's more about getting people on board to do things a new way. Uh, Danielle? Yeah, I, I mean, I would say this, that w w Democrats need to go where the people are and stop expecting the people to come to them. And what do I mean by that? You know, I I'll give my own example that a couple of months ago, I was told, you know, by a young Gen Z person that I needed to get on TikTok. And I was just like, why? I do not dance. I mean, I do dance, but I ain't dancing for, for the people, <laughs> right? Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not doing these dance challenges. I'm not a comedian. Like, what am I going on TikTok for? And she's like, I just think that your brand would play really well. And Danielle, it's where people are, right? Yeah. Like, it, it isn't a platform for just, you know, tweens. Like, this is, you know, this is a platform tweens. for, uh, yeah, for everybody. So I went on TikTok and, oh my goodness. It's where the people are, yeah. right? Like all types of people that are interested in having conversations, that are interested in, you know, you're figuring out how to distill your message. So for me, as a, as a, as a media personality, I will write op-eds, sure. But there are a lot of people that don't read. So then I have a podcast, right? I have two. There are people that don't want to listen to them. I then do 60-second three minute videos, because there are people that have that much time, right? And so I want to see Democrats do that. Here is our big message. And then we're bringing it down. And we're putting it where the people are. And we are we have our ear to the ground, not in focus groups, right? But on these platforms, listening to what people are talking about, and engaging with them in real time. You know, the people and I, I, you know, Twitter, it will go the way of the devil. Like, I have no idea. But, mm -hmm. you know, it used to be that you could stay in Twitter for like, an, you know, 30 minutes to an hour and understand what was going on, what was trending, who people were talking to. And you guys all know that if you go on there and you're like, I'm going to promote and that's all I'm going to do is promote my next thing and promote whatever, as opposed to gauge, engaging in conversation, nobody wants to mess with you. You nope. have to engage in conversation. So by virtue of this administration just going on Twitter to say, hey, look what we did, as opposed to how are you feeling? What's going, you know, what's going on? Let me listen to people. So I think that what we need to see is Democrats not bringing, not saying, hey, focus groups, we'll pay you $20 and come into, you know, and come into this closed off room, right, with stale coffee and, and halogen lights. 
and instead going to actually where the people are and getting into conversation with them and engaging with them in ways that make sense. We all think that focus groups are like purgatory or something, but I mean, I used to work in PR and I, and I can tell you that like, I, it was the thing that I hated the most was when they were just like, well, let's get a focus group together. And I'm like, to tell you what, right. Like, how about, how about you go outside and just start talking to people? Exactly. Because, uh, you know, there's, there's extrinsic motivation, which is always, uh, not helpful. Um, and all sorts of other things, but yes, go where the people are. And I honestly think that uh, TikTok is is the next place to be. Instagram is useless, and uh, Facebook is evil, and you know both of them belong to Mark Zuckerberg. Um, so, and who knows about TikTok? But still, it just in terms I mean, of TikTok impact. Is owned by China. So. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you it's know. probably the Alibaba guy or whatever. But still, it's. I, I mean, we can't. We can't do anything about that we can just i always think of it as as being subversive we'll use the tools that they have they give us to undermine them that's that's what that's what i like to how i like to think of it uh jen um is it is this just like the wrap-up this is like this is the wrap-up i everything danielle said made incredible sense to me on 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 every level and you began you prompted her question by saying, you know, thinking about communicating with the people who can make these decisions. And there are people in various levels of authority who've asked me my opinion about stuff. And sometimes I don't have much of an opinion. I know that sounds crazy because I think I've opinions about everything, but I have not had until last night and now with this conversation we've had that freedom can be the word in terms of if the big message is freedom, then all the stuff that actually some voters want to get into the details. If everything rolls up to that, we can think about what that means in terms of policy. And there are a lot of policy people who want to say, look, this is why you should vote for Democrats. And they've got a list of 20 things. Let's roll that up into freedom, make it into buckets, make it work in terms of messaging. In terms of candidates, um, I think what matters in terms of the candidates is authenticity. And that's why someone like Fetterman He's got his hoodie. You know, I'm, you know, if I were a candidate, I'm not telling anyone else to go out there with a hoodie. You know, Gretchen Whitmire's got her lipstick and her leather jacket sometimes. Just be your damn self, whoever that is. Yeah, that's why Connor Lamb didn't fly in Pennsylvania because he was, I I don't, and if who you are doesn't fit the demographic, like in other words, you know, folks, there are, you know, some great people in Florida, but Florida's not going to happen for us. And as someone said, you know, I cannot believe Val Demings didn't get a bigger percentage of that vote. Like, I am heartbroken about what went down in Florida um, at every, you know, at every level there. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what to say, but we got to think about, to some degree, cutting some losses there. I know that up ticket helps down ticket and stuff, stuff like that. But like, you know, we haven't talked about misogynoir in, in these races mm-hmm. uh, and it's, it's killing me. It's like making, I feel like a, I, my heart feels like it has a knife in it when I think about her and, and Stacey Abrams and how we have the conversation about how black women always show up for voting and for community building for the democratic party and they don't get elected. And yeah. I, you know, that's, an, I know maybe we'll talk about that some other time, but anyway, oh, so, so I'm thinking about all these things together, but in the meanwhile, I'm thinking freedom, 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 say yes to freedom, say no to fascism and just have candidates who believe that 
and are in themselves and are not, you know, wear a coat and tie if you want to, but keep in mind that that might not be the right person for that area and take your ego out of things. And I think one last thing is there's a reason why I think Joe Biden has been so successful is because his ego isn't in it. You know, right. coalition, he listened to people. He did the student loan forgiveness. I think that got Gen Z out. He got a coalition to help um, across the world so that when Russia was doing its bullshit and about to invade Ukraine, no one believed it. They believed him. I see Joe Biden as someone who can tell a good idea, but can also tell a good group um, and he'll make mistakes. But, you know, he's not going to be a lofty speaker. That's not who he is. And he's not trying to. And I think that's Unlike okay. Donald. Well, OK. No, but no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, Jen, it's like we we're always we always have to be so much better. Um, like nobody ever said anything. Of, well, I mean, people did, but it was never a factor. Uh, the fact that Donald is, uh, you know, just incapable of stringing two sentences together. But to your point about candidates, you know, what we're saying about Connor Lamb is somebody I can't remember who it was, but it's like, you know, he it's like they they um, put together uh, their ideal democratic candidate in a lab and it just didn't fly with that constituency and fetterman obviously was definitely the best pick because he's now senator fetterman thank you very much um and yeah <laughs> which is great but i think also you know charlotte i want you to go wherever you want to go uh, with this but i i do think it's important also to expand on the uh, this idea of picking our battles um because I, unfortunately, uh, we're not winning Florida. We're not win winning uh, the gubernatorial race in Florida anytime soon or a Senate race anytime soon. And, uh, you know, if we can't win with a candidate like Val Deming, sorry. If we can't win Ohio with a candidate like Tim Ryan. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think that the, the, the difference with Stacey Abrams is that uh, she, she got screwed uh, by Brian Kemp last time around and the injustice of that I've never gotten over that plus just all the work she has done for the party for this country uh, it, it's I, I know there are amazing things ahead for her um, I kind of wish she had run for Senate but uh, <laughs> she knows much better than I what she should be doing um, but uh, you know she's not going anywhere which is good. Yeah. I just, it's just tragic that uh, the way she was uh, completely screwed. Anyway, Charlotte. No, I completely agree with all that. I, I would say there are two big things that have been on my mind for the past 24 hours. You know, number one is the ground game. We have some amazing organizers. We don't have amazing organizers everywhere. Right. And that's going to keep hurting us the more that we fail to invest in that ground game. We were on this uh, LPAC candidates call uh, last week, um, and one of our great candidates, oh God, whose name is escaping me, I feel terrible, but she's in Florida running for the state house, uh, and, and you know one of the things that she told us was there, there are no organizers here. There are no folks going door to door telling people to vote for Democrats. Same thing in Texas, especially South Texas, yeah. that traditional blue area that's become red over the last you know, four to six years. Mm -hmm. There are no organizers there, or there are few organizers there. So that's number one. Number two is that we got to keep the messaging simple. You know, I, I love the idea of freedom as, as like the big tentpole message, because the, the, the big strength of the Democratic Party is that we are a big tent party. 
the big weakness of the Democratic Party is that we are a big tent party, right? It's our strength and our weakness. It's the ability to bring people together and have a cohesive message. We don't have to make this complicated. If we, if we focus on two or three issues, abortion rights, education, healthcare, uh, and I would say a, a broad economic message, we should be okay. We really should. Uh, but it's got to be like family freedom. That is what Democrats are here to protect, family and freedom. It's got to be that simple. And if it's any more yeah. complicated than that, we're going to suffer in 2024. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, freedom for me, but not for thee, it's not freedom. And that, yep. I mean, it doesn't work because of the word the, but still like that's, that's the Republican party in a nutshell. And if we can figure out a, a way to say that, that fits on a bumper sticker or on a t-shirt, which again, like was, is a project that we were doing and it kind of got lost in the, the shuffle, but um, you know, just craft those messages, hone them, um, perfect them and just get them out there. You know, we need our version of, um, well, I wasn't a huge fan of hope and change, but it worked, but we need something yeah. better than that because we're living in much darker, more treacherous times. Um, and yet we are in the best position. I think anybody here could possibly have imagined coming into mm-hmm. last night. And we have so much to be grateful for. We have so many people to be grateful for who've been fighting this fight tirelessly for, you know, for years, certainly. But, you know, as we said earlier, like since this has been going on, we've been fighting this since November 2016. We're exhausted, but you know what? It paid off and it's only going to get better from here because we see now that despite the prevailing uh, forces and the headwinds and all that stuff, we are winning. And that's like in 2020, we did something extraordinary. We snatched democracy from the jaws of autocracy. And despite the fact that two years later, I think it's safe to say this country is in worse shape or things are scary or more dangerous i should say uh than politically and in terms of you know where the country is the soul of the country is then uh in 2020 we we did it again right so and and the other thing that should be really motivating is is that um we don't want to have to keep living like this with our you know hanging on by our fingernails so let's keep building so we can start having the kinds of election cycles that just can can give us hope and uh, confidence that we are creating the kind of country that this country has the potential to be. Um, so what a night, what a day. Charlie Clymer, Danielle Moody, Jen Taub, I love you all and I so appreciate you. You were you were the people, some of the people on the front lines who give me hope and keep me inspired. And now let's all go to sleep for a bit. And thank you everybody for for watching. I I love having these emergency sessions because they always they always give me clarity. Um, and hopefully that they do the same for you. So thanks guys. See Yay, you soon. Congrats. Yay. 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 <laughs>
Bye.